was the tale of two halves as Nebraska opened strong with the new starting quarterback, but needed to lean hard on their red zone defense to close out the game as they defeated Penn State 30-23. We'll examine the game and what lies ahead for the Huskers. Our special guest tonight is Brandon Vogel from Hill Varsity Magazine. He'll share his insights into a team looking to build off a win. Sean Callahan will also join us to help us look at Big Red recruiting. It's all coming up next on NET's Big Red Wrap. Hi, everyone. I'm Michael Severe. Welcome to NET's Big Red Wrap-Up. Nearly a full year since Nebraska won a game, and they finally got it done on Saturday. And now we can talk about two in a row. Joining us, of course, is Jay Moore, former Husker. It's good to say we just haven't said in a long time. Yeah, that's right. To get a winning streak going, you have to at least win one, one game, a game. And they did that. They took care of their business. You know, you did say tell two halves. It, yeah. wasn't, it wasn't the prettiest win. But in a, with a team that has struggled and found more ways to lose games in the last three, four years. Mm-hmm. Um, they finally found a way to equal one out and get some stops. Defense stepped up big two weeks in a row to get some, um, to get some huge pressures and hit some stops and get turnovers again. Yeah. That was big time. And you get a win. And you get a win against, I, I think, um, a, a Penn State team that is not very respected right now but has a ton of talent and who should probably be a little better than what they have. They're not without Michael Parsons, without Journey Brown. This team could that Penn State team could have been two and one coming that game, but unfortunately they, they had their hiccups against Maryland and they had their hiccups against uh, Indiana in the first game of the season. But uh, that's I'm I don't like nitpicking wins because yeah. I we, yeah, yeah. we've beaten up this team enough, yeah. but we're gonna nitpick this one I guess yeah. a little bit. You just have to. This is part of that show. We can we can pick some nits the other way. Yeah. Um, for at least the last two years, Nebraska's lost this game. Right, they're the ones that got inside the five yard line, the ten yard line, and couldn't score and settle for field goals. They're the teams that had the the interception return. This time, all that stuff happened to Penn State. Nebraska gets the win. So we could say that many times Nebraska should have won games like this and didn't. So let's, let's not take away anything from the victory. Right? T- totally. And, and listen, that second half, you, you look into it, and I was getting very concerned. We were, sure. we were talking just before uh, we came on is Nebraska had to burn two timeouts very quickly. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking, okay, now we got a one-score game. Penn State's moving the ball. Um, they did get 501 total yards uh, in, in the total in the game. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, okay, they're going to score. They'll probably go for two, get it. And all of a sudden, Nebraska has to go, you know, 60, 70 yards to try to get into field goal territory with one timeout. Right. And with a QB that, in an offense that you've shown that you really can't stretch the field or a threat to, I'm just like, this is, this is not looking good <laughs> right now. And just you start thinking, and, you know, I start getting, you know, cold sweats again yeah. <laughs> watching that one. But, you get the Colorado sweats. Yeah. That's what, it, that's what Coach said. He yeah, felt, yeah. Felt it, like felt, Colorado it, felt, uh, it felt very similar to that Colorado game. Yeah. But, thankfully, the defense, two, two huge fourth down stops yeah. um, late in that game. and. That they bowed up. They bowed up big time. And, and hats off uh, to those guys that got their black shirts today, by the way, too. Yeah. You know, they definitely deserved it after that one. It's funny because the guy they're going against this week, Lovey Smith, made his bones with a bend but don't break defense, forcing you to go the whole field, forcing you to get touchdowns instead of field goals. And that's what Nebraska did on Saturday. They had four different times in the red zone where they either got a stop or forced a field goal. They really only gave up the one touchdown in the red zone. That was probably the best I've seen in terms of Nebraska pass breakups and being able to get you the quarterback, especially late in the game. Yeah, I mean, Cam Taylor Britt mm-hmm. played really, really well. Um, Dotson, he's a you know he's an All Big Ten type receiver. Yeah. He held him to two catches for twenty seven yards. That was really good. 
I mean, Dotson, Dotson tore up a pretty good Ohio State secondary in that second game they played um, when Ohio State came to Penn State. So that was that was big time. You saw Deontay Williams able to get to mm-hmm. the quarterback, get the sack fumble, pick it up, score a touchdown. I mean, that was big time. You just haven't seen those plays, hands-on, you know, good uh, proprioception, you know, whereabout, have, you know, where you're at. Right. To look back, get your hand on the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just, it was really, really good football. And listen, not about, we've we said it here many times, it's not about yards, it's about points. And Nebraska held, uh, held up very strong in the red zone for once. Today's Webster word comes from Jay Moore. Proprioception. Yes. <laughs> There's a lot to get to tonight, but we need your help to keep the conversation going. Reach out to us, connect with us, help us move that conversation by either texting or sending an email to bigred at netnebraska.org. You can also reach us on social media. We're looking out on Facebook and Twitter for your comments and questions. Here's our all-new sideline survey for this week. Looking at the remaining schedule, how many games do you think Nebraska will win? It's a pretty easy question. All four, three, two, one, or for the negative Nellies out there, zero. Look at the positivity. 63% of the people saying Nebraska will win out and win their last four games. Of course, this does not include the champion week game, which would be the ninth game for most, eighth game for Nebraska. So head over to our website now and vote and head back each week for a brand new survey. It's time to get deeper into the playbook with Jay Moore in the huddle. All right, two plays we got for you tonight in the huddle. Let's look at the Xavier Betts. It looks like a handoff. It's a reception for this one. It goes against uh, with the passing yards, helps pad the stats for uh, Luke McCaffrey. But look at this play. A lot of good things go on uh, early on. So we got Xavier Betts coming in motion here. And as we go, the handoff, he puts – we got we got the line blocking down. It puts this end guy in a really tough spot. He's trying to see the mess point, kind of see what's going on, put him in a little no-man's uh, land. He's a non-factor. Now if we get good action here from uh, Jack Stoll, I believe Levi Falk, and you get Marvin Scott leading up here. And now, look right now, I call this, Marvin Scott's called MDM, uh, most dangerous man. He gets this seal. Jack Stoll is able to kick this guy out, and you have Levi Falk, I believe, here, leading up to create this alley, and all of a sudden, boom, he locks up on his guy, and all of a sudden you see, you hear about the talent from Xavier Betts at Bellevue West. He puts on the, the burners here and just... Purely out athletes, everyone outruns them. Um, big time player for a true freshman early in his career. Now let's look at the final play defensively. We talked already about them standing up well in the, in the red zone. A um, lot of good things coming here from the defensively in this one in the red zone on a fourth and goal. So as a look, they have the four down linemen. They're going to bring Luke Reimers um, off the ball. They've, they've brought some pressure off the ball a lot so far this year. Um, not, a, not a new look. But as, we, as I roll tape here, um, I want to highlight great communication here. So you got JoJo Doman covering down the slot. He is passing this route along to Kyle Miller. Great communication. Love this down here by uh, Cam Taylor Britt, getting hands on a guy early, rerouting. You have Deontay Williams able to come over top and get on him. Now as we get here, we look at the rush. Um, ben Stilley is, he is splitting. He's beating the guard here with his hands. The back is up, chipping him. Now, the great thing is you get a rush from uh, Caleb Tanner and Feldarius Payne collapsing the edge to force the QB up in the pocket. He gets the sack, and he had nowhere to go. This ball could – he had nowhere. Everyone was covered. The secondary did some great things. Um, and the defense wins the ball game there. So, Jay, that first play, not only is Xavier Betts a true freshman, 
Marvin Scott, who made the block down, you're talking about to seal the edge. And then on the outside, the wide receivers, Marcus Fleming. Yeah. Three true freshmen, the future of the team. Yeah. Making that play. It was fun to see. I hope to see Xavier Betts, you know, some more. Yeah. That was that was impressive. That's very familiar territory. They run that play to death at, at Bellevue West. But, yes. Uh, for him to pick him up like that and get up up and down that field for a tall, long right he was receiver, cruising at the ooh, end too. It was that was very impressive. Um, hopefully, and you got you know a catch later in the game. Hopefully, he can he can get a little more comfortable and you start utilizing his his assets a little more. Let's go to the tape now and check out all the highlights from the game on Saturday. It was a very strange Saturday with a pretty much empty Memorial Stadium, a lot of cord- cardboard cutouts. But the exciting part early on, Luke McCaffrey coming out as the starting quarterback for the University of Nebraska. The little bit of crowd that was there, you could hear them. They were very excited. And Luke McCaffrey came out right what he does, making exciting plays. This pass here to Austin Allen. Austin took a shot. A great catch by him. He's second in the team in targets, by the way, right now behind Wondell Robinson. And then Luke McCaffrey showing again what he can do. Gets the ball to Cade Warner. This shouldn't even been a replay. It can either be only two things. It's either he's down at the one or he's down at the one. It can't be a fumble because there's no way the ground can cause a fumble. But Luke McCaffrey gets under center here. I know if the crowd was there, they'd have been cheering about being under center for the touchdown. Nebraska gets down there and goes up 7-0. Huge play uh, for the first drive of the game for Luke McCaffrey. Then, another great defensive play now. This is a bad pass by, by Clifford. It just says it shouldn't be inside, it should be outside, right? No, severely underthrown. you gotta, you got to throw that ball to where only his receiver can catch it, and he, he threw it behind him, and Cam Taylor-Britt took advantage of it. Great play by Cam Taylor-Britt. Also a good uh, tackle right there by uh, Casey Rogers for Nebraska. We should have been in the way. But then you have this pass right here to Cade Gotta have Warner. it. Yeah. Gotta have it. You this, know. He's got great hands. It's a little wobbly. Maybe he thought that linebacker was going to get a piece of it, but that's a catch he makes nine out of ten times. And then another short. Here's a first of three very short field goals for Nebraska on the day. I think it was 22, 25, and 30 yards. Those have to be touchdowns. Yeah, without a doubt. Against better teams. After that, we get this play you showed. Seal, seal, seal. And there goes Xavier Betts. And you look at the end, he's basically just yeah. kind of Cadillacing yeah. at the end of it Impressive. because of the kind of speed he that's has. Fun. That's fun to see. You know, this guy has another four years here. You know, exactly. That is, yeah. that is fun to see. Or maybe just three. Maybe. <laughs> you, <laughs> maybe. You never know. An right. early entry wide receiver from Nebraska would be cool. And here's the ultimate dream by a defender. Oh. Sack, force fumble, fumble recovery, touchdown. And good patience, not kind of freaking out and seeing the ball and trying to jump on it. Yep. The whereabouts to say, hey, I can get on this. And not have a knee down as he picked as he picked it up. I thought that might have been the case, but awesome, awesome play. And that's why they wanted him so badly in there last year. Here's uh, one of the tough plays that Nebraska gave up early. Holmes, what's up, Holmes? Going 36 yards there uh, for the first down, and then it's Will Levis' turn, who comes in, of course, to take over for uh, Clifford. Makes the pass to Pat Frymuth, one of the best tight ends in the Big Ten. He was in and out of the game the whole time, but Nebraska cracks down, forces a field goal, a 40-yard field goal from Pinniger. Again, red zone defense playing very well for Nebraska all day long for the most part, only giving up the one touchdown. Now, here's a very smart play by Cam Taylor-Britt. He's playing the near side just in case it's a short punt, Mm -hmm. grabs it. This man had an interception return, a field goal return, and he had a punt return. Hidden yards. Hidden yards in this type of game like this, that was that was big time right there. Good point. And there, Wanda Robinson, who had a bunch of carries, they finally started getting the ball in the backfield. Had one where he almost scored if it wasn't for a face mask. Mm-hmm. This was the left-handed throw. Again, true freshman. Well, redshirt freshman to true freshman. Great catch there by uh, Marvin Scott. And then he also makes the first down after that. Yeah, a little, little Patrick Mahomes. That is there. very, very much Patrick Mahomes. And that's the kind of thing you get. Off-schedule plays from Luke McCaffrey. As Coach said, though, 
just don't make a mistake right there. <laughs> don't make a mistake. Uh, settle for a field goal. Again, another short field. Nebraska has to settle for a field goal. They're up 27 to 6 going into halftime. You're feeling very good, but we knew Penn State was a second half team, and Nebraska has not been able to score in the second half. So far, only six points total. There's Dotson. You mentioned how good he is. He only had two catches on the one day. Of, that was one of two, and that was his long, you know, that was his long right there. That's a tough spot. Cam Taylor Britt couldn't try to make it the comeback. And, and we were talking about this play before. Would have liked to be able to break this one down in the huddle, just wasn't able to get to it. Um, you saw Colin Miller just kind of gets caught up in the action. Eyes, here you go, bad, bad, uh, bad uh, playing with his eyes there. And the gash yeah, you talk about that all the time, right? You have to mm-hmm. see what's happening in front of you, and he didn't see there. Here's Will Levis. This is what he did very well all day, getting first downs, 18 carries for 61 yards, coming in in relief of Sean Clifford. But, again, red zone defense, making sure they tackled guys. You see Markel Dismuke didn't drop his head that time. He actually made a tackle without getting a target call. And then another field goal. So uh, Nebraska really good in the red zone all day long. Jake Penninger there. That made it 27-16. to Then Luke McCaffrey comes back, and you mentioned Xavier Betts. He had the catch for the 45 yards. He makes the catch. This is open all day. I hope they come to more of this, especially this against Illinois. Yeah, it's simple. It's, it's low risk. Um, take advantage of it. Get, get, get your young guys comfortable uh, to making plays. I mean, you'd love to see the young guys get in action. Nebraska, Nebraska settles for another field goal, though. That's only a 30-yard one. Nebraska up 30-16, to 16, up two touchdowns with uh, a little bit like eight minutes or so to go. And here, or 10 minutes or so to go, and here comes Penn State. Now, this is a broken play, right? Mm-hmm. Garrett Nelson, got to make the play. Those are hard coming unblocked. Those, that's a tough, uh, the QB did a great job getting out of it. But Firemuth, great tight end. A little busted coverage, um, and they just took advantage of a, of a mistake. Yeah, good job by Boodle running him down. But still, that's the one red zone touchdown they get right there. I thought Honus was going to make the tackle, but he gets chipped a little bit by the guard. Um, but it's the one touchdown they give up there in the red zone. Now it's 30-23. to 23. And you know that you don't want anything bad to happen. You get the interception. That it's, happens sometimes. Hit his arm. It, yeah, it does. It does happen. Things get, it sort of gets a little uncomfortable now if you're a Husker fans. And I know I was very uncomfortable. Levis made three or four plays on these last two drives where I thought he had no chance to make completions, and he did. But both times, Nebraska, four PBUs, passes broken up on these last two drives. I think they had six for the game and only had four coming into the game. Yeah, they, Again, it's just in the red zone, they just did a good job passing things off, playing physical at the line of scrimmage, not messing up timing. And they, they just, like I said, ball, the hands were all over this the ball This is a today. huge play. Nebraska could have put the game away right here, third and five. He tries to throw to Cade Warner, but the crosser, Levi, is wide he open is on wide that open. play. wide open, yeah. That That's one, probably where he needs to go. I was a little nervous looking at that play. Here's Will Levis again going for 14 yards, adding to his rushing total. Again, having, uh, I think it was Scott Frost who said he was aging a full year just on these last two drives, and that's what happens. That's another pass to Washington where I thought when he threw it, maybe it would be intercepted. Um, but it came down to here's Luke Reimer making a huge play, one of many stuff plays that Nebraska did, 10 total stuff plays on the game along with the two sacks, and here's the play you broke down at the end. Yeah, great coverage. That's what happens, but you, Ben Stilley does a great job. The pressure from the outside forces him up. He had nowhere to go. He had absolutely nowhere to go. They had three guys in the route, and Nebraska had sitting four back there, so – Phenomenal. Just great job with Adidas stepping up and, and winning this football game. Nebraska wins 30-23. to Get your final stats now and see what Nebraska did. They really got outgained, outstatted in most of the game. The difference is two turnovers to one turnover. Nebraska's points over the turnover are different. Only five penalties for Nebraska, which is certainly an improvement. And, of course, the biggest improvement is the 30-23 to they got and the, the win. They got the 30. But they had one defensive score. I said that was exactly. the key last week, but yeah. uh, the defense got them seven points there as well. Our players of the game, 
Luke McCaffrey in his first start with Nebraska, huge game for him. And then Deontay Williams, simply, you get a sack, a forced fumble, fumble recovery, touchdown, a frumble, as we like to call it. Um, I mean, that's huge. It was. That was a phenomenal. It was a great play. Coming off the edge, he dipped his shoulder, got skinny, and then was able to, to make the play. And, like, it's hard. It's hard coming back there with no, uh, you know, just free like that. The QB can get away. He a, he's obviously a very athletic guy and makes a play and gets a touchdown. That's, gets, you know, that's what you need. And then we give it to Luke McCaffrey on offense. It could have been a few different people on offense, but uh, Luke McCaffrey gets it for here. All right, let's go to Damon Benning now, who joins us to talk more about what happened on Saturday. Damon, we appreciate it. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? We're doing well, man. Um, it's a win. You know, we can nitpick a bunch of things, but it's a win in the, in the end, right? Yeah, I mean, that's how you got to look at it. They've, uh, they've lost a lot of games that you felt like they should win, and maybe this one you didn't feel so good about it adding up numerically, but in the win column... You'll take it. Anytime you get a W as opposed to an L, that's a good day. DB, trying to figure out second half uh, issues, po- scoring, po- you know, scoring points. Only six points now through in the second half through three games. We looked at the O-line. I said the O-line group has to play better. But was this one of the better Penn State defensive lines and maybe one of the better D-lines you're going to play later on this, this year? Um, am I overlooking this too much? Or is this O-line group got to pick it up and start playing a little better? Oh, there's no, there's no question. I, I think that if you're if you're taking a look at, at how Nebraska has to play, I think going. Uh oh, there goes the zoom. <laughs> it's an earthquake. If you're taking a look at how Nebraska has to play going forward, it's a deal, fellas. Where that's as good a defensive line as I think they'll see for the rest of the year. They've seen Ohio State. They've seen Penn State. They won't see Wisconsin. Guys, I, I think a lot of it has to do with what Penn, Penn State was doing, but I don't want to get hung up on that. I still think there are areas in which. Nebraska can definitely get better. Uh, they were a little conservative, you know, but in Coach Frost's defense, he hasn't coached with a 21-point lead since Maryland. And when you haven't won in almost a year, uh, you, you get a little sheepish. I, I don't care what anybody says you should do or what the money dictates you should do. I know what human nature says, and human nature says that you have a tendency to get a little conservative. DB, I know you know the story of Xavier Betts better than most. Uh, it took a lot of work for him to get here. We get a chance to see what he can do. He... Honestly, when, the, when he's done, it wouldn't be crazy to say one of the best wide receivers in the Big Ten by the time he's done? Yeah, he's, uh, he's an elite talent, and, and you're right. I've, I've got a chance to know him really, really well uh, over the last couple of years, um, maybe on, on, on some different levels than I'd like to. You know, my, uh, my, He was a student of my wife's, and, and she's, uh, he's somebody that, she cares a great deal about. So he got and got close to our family, and I know his story. And to watch him flourish um, is a big deal. And he's an elite-level talent. You're talking about in the top 1% or 2% of kids in the country in terms of how he tested at these camps. And he's a guy that, and I said this from day one, if he continues to stay the course, understands rigor, uh, pays the price day in, day out in terms of doing his due diligence, He's got a chance to be extremely special. Damon, we talking about Nebraska getting the run game going, O-line issues. They put Wondell Robinson, obviously one of your best offensive uh, weapons you have. I understand they're trying to get the ball. Do you like him back there, that running, that running back setting, just to try to get him more touches, or do you like to see him getting spread out there and, and let Dedrick Mills try to fight for those three, four tough yards um, right now uh, for finishing out the rest of this Big Ten? 
I think it's a little of both, right? I, I, I don't think he's a guy that you want to hammer, you know, 15, 18 times a game, but he's your best player and he needs touches. And I do think he's a pretty gifted natural runner, especially in the zone game, but you don't want to overdo it. So in one vein, I think, okay, I understand. We They block better. He'll find creases. I like the ball in the hands of my best ball carrier. On the other hand, uh, just because a little is good doesn't mean a lot is great. And so I think you have to find a way to spread him out and utilize him in some different capacities. I like him out in space. I think you have a chance to isolate on linebackers a little bit better. And so I think Coach Frost was in a position where he's darn if he did, darn if he didn't. The first two games, excuse me, the first two games got away from him a little bit in terms of how I felt like he should have used Wandell. And I felt like he panicked a little bit trying to play catch up. It's kind of a natural instinct when you realize you're three games in and your best player hasn't been utilized. So that will come with a little bit of an exhale. Once that staff exhales and understand that they had a chance uh, to win that game and they did have, they did win that game, I think pressing and forcing the issue will be a lot less of a factor going forward. Former Husker Damon Benning joining us on the wrap-up. DB, let's talk about Illinois because Brandon Peters is back after the 21 days and the COVID, but Isaiah Williams had a huge, I think he set the record for rushing yards for a quarterback for Illinois last week. What do you expect from that offense of Illinois coming up this Saturday? Well, I think you'll see the two-headed monster at quarterback. I think you'll see the running and the duality. Actually, it's not so dual. It's more the, the singular impact that, that Juice Williams can have running the football from the quarterback spot and forcing him to play 11 on 11. And then you'll see Peters play and, and try to take advantage of guys like Bebe on the outside where he's such a good playmaker outside the numbers that you have to find a way to get him the ball, but you don't really feel like you're playing the Juice Williams strengths. And so I think if I'm Lovey Smith and that offensive staff, I'll find a way to play both quarterbacks. And and this may truly be one of those examples where if you don't have, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. I think that's where Illinois is at right now. Uh, but I actually think it can work to their advantage because what they both bring to the table are two completely different skill sets. And so it makes preparation for that Nebraska defense all that more difficult last thing DB the outside linebacker position was one of the biggest questions coming in really impressive I think the way they played so far this season yeah absolutely I think coach Dawson has paid immediate dividends Uh, we talked about this after week one their ability to set the edge to be fundamentally sound Jojo Doman's game has has increased dramatically Fidarius Payne is a guy that's made the transition from a D lineman at the junior college level to an outside linebacker that can play in a two-point position. You've seen Caleb Tanner really buy in and and really play the role. Garrett Nelson's still finding his way a little bit because it's a little bit it's a little bit different of a defense for him. He doesn't just get to play downhill and get after the passer. He's got to play in space a little bit more. But as a whole, when you look at the addition of Nick Henrich uh, to that group in terms of his versatility. Uh, hats off to Coach Dawson and hats off to that outside linebacking core. We thought that they would come in as the biggest question mark, but that maybe hasn't been the case. The outside linebackers have played mm-hmm. well. The D-line is still evolving, playing seven guys minimum. We like the secondary. Uh, the defense is coming along nicely as a whole. It's those inside linebackers that still have to continue to develop uh, and evolve that this defense wants to be who Nebraska wants them to be going forward. Thanks, Damon. We'll see you bright and early tomorrow. I appreciate that. Can't wait till 6 a.m. No doubt. Next up on the show, we'll take a look at some of the top plays and also chat with Brandon Vogel from Hale Varsity as we go to break some photos from this past Saturday's victory against Penn State with photos from Hale Varsity. We'll be right back.
Here's this week's top plays as voted to you in the Penn State game. Uh, ben Stilley, quarterback sack to end the game. This is only three, man. This is the biggest play of the game. It's only number three. Ends the game. Nebraska wins 30-23. to Pretty huge. Um, I probably would have voted number two, number one, only because of the combination of things that happened. You have Xavier Betts, great blocking, 45 yards, puts the speed on, and gives you a view into the future mm-hmm. of what he can be as he goes along. An amazing and electrifying 45-yard score. And then number one, we mentioned it earlier, it's the frumble. You've got a sack. Deontay Williams, you've got the force fumble, poking it out, the fumble recovery, and the touchdown. That is a defensive player's dream. They were having a blast on the sideline. That's teaching tape. It is. Teaching tape for a blitzing safety, how to get skinny, and then kind of break down down a little bit, and then wrap up and pick up the fumble and score. Check back with us every Sunday on our website and cast your vote for some of the big plays from each game this season. Let's quickly take a look around the Big Ten, Wisconsin. Wow, man. Put a hurt on Michigan. Wisconsin had been off. They came back like they were rested, 49-11. to uh, Indiana continues its hot play, shutting out Michigan State. I continue to doubt the Hoosiers. They are really good, 24-0 with that. And, of course, Illinois gets a win, their first win of the season, over Rutgers coming in here now with a win just like Nebraska got. We're pleased to join now by Brandon Vogel from Hale Varsity. Brandon, we appreciate you being with us tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. One of the things we talked about, Brandon, before the season started, just chatting, was kind of what this defense was going to be as it continued to evolve. What are you seeing numbers-wise in terms of improvement from the first year under Eric Chenander now to year three? Um, I think, you know, it didn't show up so much against Penn State, but I think through three games overall, they've made some gains uh, run defense-wise. Mostly the D-line, I think, has been – been stronger than you would have thought coming in uh, with as much as they had to replace with, with three guys off to the NFL up there. Uh, the, the overall, you know, havoc rate, so sort of tackles for loss, yeah. uh, pass breakups, those sorts of negative impact plays is, is about, I mean, the last two years for Nebraska's defense, they were really high. They're down a little bit from that, but their, their havoc plays have been bigger, I think, I think this year, you know, two interceptions against Northwestern. Uh, two two takeaways again against Penn State, and really you can you can chalk up about seventeen points here to to the defense. Miles Farmer didn't end up getting in, but he got him all the way down to the three. Cam Taylor Britt's interception uh, led to a field goal. So Nebraska's got five touchdowns on the year. Defense uh, you can chalk up two of them to them. So I think that's probably the biggest difference. Brandon, we've talked about Nebraska's second half struggles in the in so far and it's, it happened last year um, it happened in year one it's just been it's been an issue with Nebraska getting off the slow starts the second half. I, mean, I know it's hard coming out of halftime but six points now in through three games in 2020 and yes 2020 just I know it's a weird year but six <laughs> six total points in three games is there I know you're you're the you're the big stat guy is there an underlining number here for you that's leading to this is it is it an offensive inefficiency a defensive inefficiency somewhere is there is there some glaring statistic that's like this is the reason why Nebraska is is having second half issues? Yeah, and not not that I've noticed so far. I mean, Nebraska has remained uh, pretty steady from a, a like a per play basis uh, in terms of overall efficiency. It, it is down a little bit in the in the second half. I kind of look at it, and I guess this is more just a theory than than anything you can prove statistically. But I think one of the pieces of having a young team. Um, 
ease some of those those second half struggles a little bit. Uh, you know, so we see Nebraska, and this has really been true for three seasons. They'll come out with a great opening script and mm-hmm. go right down the field on just about anybody. Uh, they've done it to Ohio State twice now. Um, you know, th- that's kind of what they are. You get into it, and you've got to. So it's it's no longer the the kind of chess chess match that you scripted out. Uh, you've got to be a little bit more adaptable. And, and Nebraska's remained pretty young. You know, I think Coach Frost said it this week. It feels like they've been young for three years, but. Here they are. That's still true. And, and I think that, you know, could be part of those second half struggles a little bit of just guys got to get in there and just start making plays uh, rather than, OK, here's here's the first five, six things we're going to try and do. Brandon Vogel joining us, managing editor from Hill Varsity. You mentioned the Havoc plays and maybe a little bit down, but it feels like to me and just what I've charted, the stuff plays are actually up. I think they're averaging about 10 stuff plays, which is stops at line of scrimmage, of course, or negative plays. Um, what do you think about how they've done in terms of the stuff rate? Yeah, it's been, it's been encouraging. And I think, you know, you can not just the, the defensive line, but linebacker play overall has, has been pretty, pretty strong. Uh, feel pretty good about those, those three inside linebackers and they're getting a lot of guys through on the outside and, and really asking those guys to do a lot. Um, Eric Shenander said today that it, it's closer to looking how they wanted it to look when they showed up with, in terms of the rotation and what they're doing on the defensive line. So, so that's all been encouraging. And, you know, those, those simple tackles, tackles for loss, even if they're for one or two yard losses, can, can be drive stoppers. Um, you, you saw the, the value of that against Penn State you just make teams drive it, make them go eight, nine, 10, 11 plays. You know, once a drive hits, hits seven plays, it, it becomes much more likely that it's going to end in a field goal than, than a touchdown uh, you know, national average for touchdown drives, just about six and a half, usually around there year after year. So, you know, and it, I understand for like the defensive purists, like you want to go three and out and yeah. that brand of football may not be all that appealing, but, I think it's what Nebraska is capable of doing at the moment. And I think it's, it's kind of a reflection of modern day football to an extent. I'm with you on the methodical drives. The, the, the weird part about it is in the West, two of the best methodical driving teams in Wisconsin and Iowa, you got to play every year. So it, it, it works well to be a bend, but don't break, but those are two teams that will eventually break you in terms of long drive. Yeah, it, it is. It is a bit unique. Um, you know, talking about, I guess, modern football and you, you do have two teams who are perfectly happy, uh, you know, going on those those epic journeys of 10, 11 plays. In fact, they probably prefer it because um, they can grind you down both offensively and defensively with the way they play and the physicality. Um, so so you got to be a little bit careful with it. But to get the first win on the board against Penn State, I guess you'll you'll take it. Brandon, let's talk about the quarterback comparison because you're getting closer to where the snaps are almost even now. What do you think about the way Luke McCaffrey's played, the way Adrian's played, stat-wise? How how they compare? Not a huge difference. Um, I, I guess the biggest one, and it, you know, it came down obviously against against Penn State, but going into that game, I think the biggest one was probably completion percentage, um, and, and I think a lot of that is what they ask Luke to do as, as a younger player who's, who's getting his first extensive experience. Uh, they keep things pretty manageable, and that was certainly the case against against Penn State. But but really, in terms of quarterback play or the offense against Penn State, there, there wasn't a ton of difference numbers-wise mm-hmm. uh, in what the offense was able to do. It was still relatively efficient, though it was kind of a season low in success rate against Penn State. Credit to the Nittany Lions for that. Um, but 
the, the big plays still are, are a struggle for the offense overall. The, the passing game in general, I think, is a work in progress. Um, so I don't know. You really have two guys who are, who are very similar. Um, and I, it, I don't think it's just coach speak when they say, yeah, we've got two guys who could start. Not only do you have that, I think you have two guys who are strong in the same areas and, and maybe have a little bit of weakness in the same areas as well, which is going to make this pretty interesting to watch going forward. Brandon Vogel joining us from Hill Varsity. As much as the question was who was going to be the quarterback, the exciting part at the beginning of the game was why is Nebraska going to be on the west sideline? So many people, including Doug, he said for 60 years they've been on the east sideline. Why the west sideline? What do you think, Brandon? Um, Well, it sounds like the official explanation is it's too easy to see that east sideline from the the coach's box up up there on high atop west stadium, which, which makes some sense. And, you know, I think, Coach Frost even mentioned that with the lack of a crowd, you're kind of out there uh, even glowing a little bit in terms of making those calls and those sorts of things. You know, I, immediately, this, is, this happens all the time, uh, when something like that changes, immediately texted Mike Babcock to find yeah. out okay, when was the last time. And, and he said, oh, I think it was Devaney's first year. And then I, I went and tracked it down. And he, he moved him over there because he wanted to be close to the student section and, and the fans on that side. So. Here, without, without fans, I guess that means uh, back to the west, west side by default. We've talked about some of the improvements, uh, special teams, and we talked about this going into the season. That had to get better, probably cost them three or four games last year. Are you seeing a, a, a marginal improvement, or what, how much of an improvement are you seeing special teams-wise? Well, they can make field goals now, so, yes. so that's, a, that, <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good start. Um, I, but not just that, you know, not just Connor Culp and what he's been able to do in terms of putting points on the board. You know, he was talking today a little bit about directional kicking on, on kickoffs, and you know, a lot of teams try to do this now, but you need somebody to execute it uh, to kind of hang those kicks up and, and really force the, the return team's hand. Are you going to fair catch this? Are you going to return it? It looks a little enticing when it's just hanging up there and you're standing at the 15, but that's what they want you to do. So execution on, on those things have been good. And, mm-hmm. and for the most part, punting has been good. I yeah. think um, they, you know, not just in terms of distance, but also, you know, it's really important to keep the ball out of the middle of the field. And, and they've done that. The first two games of the season, um, Nebraska was still on the losing end of the, the field position battle. You know, it was tough against Ohio state because they pretty much scored whenever they wanted. So you're always starting 75 yards away. Uh, against Northwestern, they always put that test to you. But to see that finally flip around against yeah. Penn State, and it was kind of writ large. You know, Penn State had had a lot of long fields. Um, so it's been encouraging on the special teams front. Yeah, we talk a lot about how much turnover margin matters to victory, but I think field position is pretty big as well, right? It was a 10-yard difference for Nebraska over Penn State. When you look at this, how much does that usually lead to victory, or at least keeping the game close? Yeah, field position, I think, is probably – I would say maybe fourth or fifth on that list of, okay, if you do this, if you win this, you're going to win, say, 70% of the time or, or whatever it is. Um, turnovers are certainly ahead of that. Mm-hmm. Big plays uh, would be ahead of that. And then just kind of down-to-down efficiency is, is always the, the number one. So, so field position is, is way up there. Um, it's kind of in – because it encompasses everything – you know, it encompasses being able to to take the ball away or not. Um, it encompasses just getting a first down or two in some cases when you're playing against a really good defense. Uh, it, it's a pretty good overall health check of just how efficient a team is in all phases, even if we tend to think of it in terms of special teams first. Yeah, you mentioned the, the big plays. Nebraska had four of them. 
I think depending on your definition of a big play, in the first drive, they had another one with Xavier Betts, but I think they only had maybe two more the rest of the game. That's got to be a little concerning. Yeah, they're they're really struggling in that regard, um, and I think a, a big part of it is um, – you know, because the run game efficiency overall has been pretty good, but you're getting a lot of those those big runs out of the quarterback spot, which you'll take them no matter where they come. But you'd like to see a few more, I think, from from that stable of running backs uh, based on how I calculate it. So 10 plus yard runs, 15 plus passes. Nebraska's 88th this week uh, going into the Illinois game in explosive plays percentage, which is which is surprising, um, you know, with this offense. Every offense wants to be higher than that, but this offense traditionally has. So I think you're seeing kind of the impact of continuing to work through, well, not just uh, changes at quarterback a little bit, but also bringing along that wide receiver group, which, which is showing some strides, but still has a ways to go. Brandon, of course, covers football, but also volleyball as well. And you can hear more about Nebraska, the upcoming season, and volleyball as well across the state, including Creighton Volleyball, NET's sports special, State of Volleyball, this Thursday night at 7. You hear from Nebraska coach John Cook, Creighton coach Kirsten Bernthal-Booth, all about preparations for the spring season. And, of course, you'll also hear from Olympic medalist Jordan Larson. It should be a great hour. So what do you think about this team, Brandon, in terms of what the chances are. Obviously, it's a strange season. They had a chance to have that red-white scrimmage. Uh, what do you think about them overall heading into the year? Yeah, so uh, that, that red-white scrimmage you know, identified, I think, a couple of, of new players uh, who, who have a chance to contribute. But Coach Cook, I believe, after the match said you know, one of the upsides of, of this past year is he, he felt that it is, it's helped bring that team together a little bit. And, you know, they still return a, a ton of firepower. They're, they're super talented as, as Nebraska always is. And you, you kind of, and I, I looked at this from a, you know, a football perspective too, when we were getting ready for, for football to return, there's just some programs that, you know, are, are going to be able to kind of withstand all of the challenges and, and ignore the noise and, and avoid the distractions. And I think Nebraska is that, you know, they take team building so seriously in a, in a normal season uh, that to hear Coach Cook say, maybe there's even a little bit extra because <laughs> in, in some cases, literally, they could only be together uh, as a team. Uh, should be a pretty scary thought for, for opposing programs in the Big Ten and elsewhere. Last thing, so Nebraska number one in the recruiting class, Creighton number five. Officially, Nebraska's a volleyball state? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty decisive at this point. And you start looking around uh, at, at just the, the prep high school scene and you see players going to, to USC and, and other Big Ten programs. You know, it's, the depth is, is really, really extraordinary for, for volleyball talent in the state. And to, to see Nebraska come out of that with, with a couple of in-state players and then supplementing nationally uh, with probably the best recruiting class they've ever had, um, it's pretty remarkable considering where they've been. Brandon, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. All right, let's go and get the latest from Nebraska in this week's Big Red Report. We did give out some black shirts this week. Uh, I thought the guys, you know, they, they finally practiced the way we wanted them to last week. And, and you know, we had a, a pretty good performance. And the black shirts need to set a new standard. Yeah, when it makes everything better. So, you know, naturally the guys are going to feel better. Um, you might be banged up after a win. It feels a lot better than being banged up after a loss. So, um, you know, regardless, I mean, we still got a lot to learn from that film. Nothing was perfect in that film. Uh, so, you know, we just got to keep on chipping away at it. 
in, in this league, they're all good defenses. And the one coming up is a, is a darn good defense. So you, you got to be real careful. I mean, our guys know that we played three good defenses. There's no question. But they also know that there, I don't think there's an easy defense on the schedule. And so I, I, and, and you got to prepare that way, too. Yeah, I think the guys are excited. The, the key for us is, you know, we're playing another good team. Uh, they got their first win just like we did. Um, guys in this building can't win one and relax. They have to have to let that elevate them and go back out on the field and, and work that much harder to get even better um, and keep moving this ball down the field. Um, and I, I think the team's mentality is in a good place. Up next, we'll talk recruiting with Sean Callahan and chat with a member of the 2021 class. But first, enjoy more images from Saturday's win. Those photos are courtesy of Hale Varsity. Stay with us. Be sure to vote on this week's sideline survey. Looking at the remaining schedule, how many games do you think Nebraska will win? Four, three, two, one, or zero. Seventy-one percent of the people pretty confident Nebraska wins out. Now this doesn't include Week Nine on that championship weekend, but the rest of the season, Nebraska winning the last four, according to you. Make sure you visit our wrap-up website and cast your vote. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us on the wrap-up. Michael Severe, joined by Sean Callahan. Sean, great win. Great recruiting so far. Everything feels like it's coming together. Yeah, you know, Nebraska now on this back half of the schedule um, has a real opportunity here. They got through, uh, using Jay's golf analogy, probably uh, the the tough front nine, and now they have a much more favorable back nine uh, where, you know, they've got a chance really every week um, in in each one of these final four games and, uh, you know, about as winnable as a Big Ten game as you're going to get here on Saturday. All right, let's talk now with the 2021 recruit, Seth Malcolm, joining us here on the wrap-up. Seth, we appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on. Hey, Seth, we appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Hey, man, let's talk a little bit about this season and how it's gone for you so far and and how you felt you played this season. Um, So far this season, um, I thought uh, my team's been playing very well. I'm um, just trying to do what I can for the team. Uh, we're getting into the championship game on this Thursday for my class. Yeah, Seth, let, let's let's dive into that. Uh, give us an idea. What are things like right now in Tabor, Iowa, at Fremont Mills? Uh, you guys are less than 48 hours away from playing in the uh, eight-man state championship game there in the state of Iowa. Um, yeah, so my school is very small. We have about 30 kids in each class. Uh, we our football team consists of I think 25 players, so mm. um, I think my class only has three football players in that. So that's kind of three or four, four actually, which is kind of crazy. But uh, doing very well this season. Very fortunate to have the to be in the championship game and looking for looking for that ring. So it's been a while since Nebraska offered or got a commitment from an, an eight-man guy. What did you think leading up to that offer and, and once you got it? And what was the, the idea behind uh, the committing to Nebraska? Um, I just wanted to do what was best for me. Uh, I, after I committed, I kind of realized that there hasn't been a scholarship eight-man guy there for quite a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just I hope to uh, do what I can 
uh, and try to impress impress people. Seth, uh, you're one of three Iowa recruits in the class for Nebraska. It's been a long time. Maybe I don't know if they've ever had three from one year in the state of Iowa. Uh, but when you look at Western Iowa, guys like you, Thomas Fedoni, I know you are in the state of Iowa, but how much of Western Iowa really is Nebraska fans when, when you kind of gauge how the state of Iowa and people support different teams? Um, I feel that if you're within a, an hour radius within Omaha, everyone's kind of uh, between Iowa, Nebraska, uh, certain to certain areas or spots that um, people just pick, but um, in my area, it's either it's either between those two. Seth, you're such a good athlete. You could play pretty much almost any position other than maybe defensive and offensive line. Where do you see yourself? Where does Nebraska see you playing at the next level? Inside linebacker. What about that position kind of stands out to you? What do you like about it? Um, I just feel like you have to be a great athlete. Uh, you have to cover a lot of space. Uh, have to have a lot of tools under your uh, tool, bait, tool belt uh, to be in that position. Seth, we appreciate it, and good luck on Thursday. Thank you very much. All right, our in-state recruit today, and you have to help me with this, Sean, is it Nolan Gorsica? Yep, you got it right. Woohoo! I got it right. Tell me a little bit more about this offensive guard. Yeah, Nolan Gorsica is going to play for a guy that you know, Michael, pretty well, uh, Lance Leipold, the coach oh, yeah. of Buffalo, a former Nebraska-Omaha offensive coordinator many years ago. Um, and, you know, he's going to play for a staff of a lot of Nebraska guys. Scott Fuchs, who was at UNO, is the O-line coach there. Um, Anatoa uh, from Papillion's a, a position coach there as well. So a lot of Nebraska guys out of Buffalo. Nolan Gorsica was an early target for him. Three-sport athlete for Ron Cauley. This was after his sophomore year um, at the Rivals camp that we had. And, you know, you could really see just what type of potential he had at that age. Starts basketball plays first base on the baseball team, mm. is a two-way player. Um, and I think that's what Lance Leipold really liked about Nolan is um, the footwork. And, you know, he, he doesn't – Nolan is not one of those kids that does the high-level private training. He's just a multi-sport athlete, Class B athlete. And I think so much – there's so much potential. And, you know, in a, in a lot of years of Nebraska has taken more linemen, I think he would have gotten a, a, a harder look. Um, but Nebraska had a smaller lineman class and – I think he's going to be a good fit for a, a, a team like Buffalo. Sean, and Seth's playing in the championship game. Who are the other two players? Yeah, you're going to have, uh, obviously, we just heard from Seth. They're playing Thursday. Uh, but then our showcase game, the Class A game here on NET, Teddy Prochaska and Kobe Bretz, that Elkhorn South West Side game. Um, Elkhorn South's only loss of the year coming to Millard South. And as we know, West Side has run the table trying to, uh, get get revenge and get that championship they lost out on a year ago, losing to Bellevue West, who was knocked out a couple of weeks ago, as we know, by Carney. Yeah, Kobe Bretz had a great interception to help them win against Millard South. That was a huge play by him. Thanks a lot, Sean. Thanks. Time to check in on social media and see some of the best posts from this past week. First up, Elijah on Twitter shared a glimpse of how tough that Nebraska job is, showing Scott Frost from the day of the opening press conference to just this past week, saying those three years has uh, aged Scott Frost, looked like he served two terms as president. I think that's just early in the morning there. He's a little tired. I mean, let him clean himself up a little bit. And here's to show you how much the power of social media can mean. Connor Culp, the field goal kicker for Nebraska, actually had his truck start. Stolen. He went on social media to tell everybody what it looked like, if they could help him, and believe it or not, he then goes back and wants to thank Husker Nation for all their efforts, helping him find his truck. It was found this morning. We have the best fans in the nation, GPR. It's horrible that it got stolen, but it is pretty cool that social media and Husker fans helped him find it. All right, let's look ahead to Illinois. 
We haven't had your take yet, Sean. What do you think about Illinois heading in this game after getting their first win against Rutgers? Yeah, you know, they've overcome a lot. Uh, they easily probably could have missed a couple of games with COVID and contact tracing. Uh, they played through it. Um, give Lovey Smith credit for figuring out a way to kind of put a team out there every week. As we know, a team like Wisconsin was in a similar boat, and they didn't play for two weeks. So um, I, I look at them as they're going to get better every week now. Isaiah Williams worries you a little bit. Yeah. You know, they had 31, he had 31 carries a week ago against Rutgers. 28 of those 31, Michael, were design runs for him. Um, the other three were scramble runs. So that worries me a little bit. But, you know, they could get Peters back as well at quarterback. So I think Nebraska right now is anticipating on seeing two different quarterbacks play in this game. Yeah, those are some of the best players you've seen, the players to watch. Who's not on there is Amade Bebe, who is an incredibly physically wide receiver. How difficult is it when you're that offensive, that defensive line guy or outside linebacker and you know you've got that kind of running quarterback to face? Yeah, it's tough. I, I hope what they try – you see it a lot. I think you've seen it when Nebraska went out and played uh, Virginia Tech in uh, 09. You saw oh, yeah. it, you know, against Vic, uh, Marcus Vic, and you're just, uh, trying to – Keep them in here. Don't don't rush them. Make them throw the football. You know, contain them in the pocket. Uh, I don't like that necessarily. I think you start getting guy start hesitating a little too much. You start uh, protecting a little too much. Uh, hopefully, it'd be interesting to see how much Isaiah Williams does play. If Brandon and Brandon Peters, uh, Damon uh, alluded to that, that you might see both quarterbacks, and that presents a little bit of an issue as well defensively because you got to prepare now for two extremely different offenses. Now, you get a pro-style look with Brandon Peters mm-hmm. um, in there. Um, we saw how last year when Nebraska went to Illinois, and you get Isaiah Williams. You're, you, he just said it. All the design uh, – Sean just said that all the design runs that they're, they throw in there. And those are tough. Those Now you are down a man defensively when you start throwing the QB into the run game. That's why um, it's the QB run game can be very, very effective. And Nebraska just hasn't seen a guy like like that um, even, even against Ohio State. Um, in Justin Fields, he's not he's not quite what Isaiah Williams um, is athletically and in, in running the ball. So they got they're gonna have a tough tough task to uh, get a second win in a row. So much easier to recruit when you can show freshmen other freshmen playing. And that play with Xavier Betts, you had Marvin Scott, a true freshman. You had Marcus Fleming out there, a true freshman. A redshirt freshman at quarterback. It really sees the future of Nebraska out there. Yeah, you know, I think Brandon said this earlier when he was on. You know, Nebraska is in their third year, but they're still young. And I feel like we say that every year, but. They truly are young and developing in so many key spots. And you saw a lot of that on the field Saturday um, just with the receivers and the running backs. Um, even the offensive line, uh, Ben Hart's a redshirt freshman. Ethan Piper's a redshirt freshman. As we know, Cam Jurgens is a sophomore. So there are, there's experience in, in veterans, but there are a lot of young faces. And there are only two full recruiting classes on this roster right now from Scott Frost. So... Um, you know, the future, you know, still looks very bright for Nebraska as they continue to kind of rebuild this thing they want to re- the, the way they want to rebuild it. Yeah, you mix in some JC guys too. Your thoughts, Jay, on the way that Phil Darius Payne has played so far and his part-time role as outside linebacker? Yeah, he's played very, very well. He's to, to be a defensive end in, in Juco and come in and, and you know, playing a two-point. Listen, I had to make that transition. I was a 4-3 defensive end in college. I had to make the transition to a 3-4 defensive end my, when I was drafted with the 49ers um, and they're running a 3-4. I struggled. I struggled heavily because I, as a defensive end, you are, you listen for calls. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about coverages. You, you let you, and then you just react to those calls. You have your, you know, you react to the tight end, the tackle, um, and you, you're just, everything's right in front of you. All of a sudden, when you, you're putting the outside linebacker position, you're, you're forced to now 
communicate with the D-line, you're making calls, you have to listen to, to other linebackers, you have to listen to the secondary, mm. because you can, you know, the coverage issues and what they come out in motions and stuff, your coverages can be changed rather quickly, and you have to be um, adept and you have to be on point and listen for all this stuff, and, and, and just your mind's going a million miles an hour, so what he's able to do to come in, rush the passer, set the edge, drop back, and, and provide some good coverage and contain, uh, very, very impressed with him so far. Time for burning questions. Sean, you're up first. I think for me, um, can Nebraska produce a running game without the quarterback? And I think that's still a big if. Will it be Wondell Robinson? Uh, could uh, Dedrick Mills be back this week? Or Mar- Marvin Scott get more carries? Could Ronald Tompkins get more carries? But Nebraska has to find a way, Michael, to get production from that running back position. What about you, Jay? Second half. Let's get off, you know, <laughs> can we get off to a good start, start fast, and let's finish stronger? Uh, we gotta, <laughs> we got to beat three points or six points that we've had in the, in the first three games, can they come out and start strong in the second half and put a not, a not a very good Illinois team away and not give them hope coming into the uh, late in the game and give them the chance to fight and get some momentum and, and win the football game? Put them away in the second half. Um, if they can do that, I like Nebraska's chances a lot. Four-point plays. It's great getting field goals. It's wonderful. You can't get in the red zone as much as Nebraska is and not score touchdowns. You've got to get those four-point plays executed. You had a 22, a 25, and a 30-yard field goal. You've got to turn those into touchdowns. Nebraska's going to have to do that, especially after Illinois, because Iowa's a team that you have to score touchdowns. You can't win with field goals. So those are our burning questions for this week. Don't forget to head to our website and Facebook page and click on the prediction. Jay and I will tell you exactly what to expect on Saturday. Nebraska looks for another home win as they welcome an Illinois to Memorial Stadium. Another 11 a.m. game on FS1 is on hand for Saturday. We'll be back next week to recap the game. Our special guest, Stephen M. Sippel of the Lincoln Journal-Star. NSA football championships are back on NET as well, but a different day. NET will bring you the broadcast of the Class C2 game from Midland University in Fremont at 3 p.m., and then the Class A game from Omaha Westside at 7 p.m. on Friday. You can catch all six championship games streaming live on NET throughout the evening. For more information, just head to our website and see the times and locations for each and every game. Our thanks to Brandon Vogel and Damon Benning and Seth Malcolm as well for joining us tonight. For Jay Moore and Sean Callahan, I'm Michael Severe. We'll see you next week on NET's Big Red Wrap-Up.